You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frogs on a Monday. So, Sort of an interesting situation here, but uh, Rashad Samples moved on to the L.A. Rams on Friday. I recorded a segment on Friday, intended to post it. Some things came up. didn't get around to doing it. So here is my segment from Friday that I'm playing on a Monday about Rashad Samples moving on to the, to the NFL and to the L.A. Rams. Then in segment two, we'll talk TCU basketball and baseball from the weekend. Hope you enjoy it. Here it is, Locked on Horn Frogs. Rashad Samples, thanks for the memories. Um, another member of Sonny Dyke's staff has a very short tenure with TCU as he is moving on to uh, the L.A. Rams, it appears. Uh, Jeremy Clark had this. Drew Davison has confirmed it. On3.com has reported it. Rashad Samples is expected to become the new running backs coach for the defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams. I mean, listen, best of luck to him. Congratulations. I get it. It's an NFL job. I agree with other people who have said it is sort of a curious move for him considering that he's known more as a recruiter um, in the college ranks and now he's moving on to, to the NFL. But, I mean, Rashad's obviously a good coach. You don't get promoted. You don't get on-field positions, assistant coach-type positions without showing some ability to coach um, you know, at that position and coach on the field. And it looks like this is the next step he wants to take in his career. It's a big loss for TCU. I've seen people say, like, well, you know, it's the running backs coach. You shouldn't be um, jumping off the cliff, so to speak. And I'm not saying that that's the case. Like, this is not a team that's just going to crumble because they lost Rashad Samples. But the bottom line is, as someone who – one of the reasons I was excited about Sonny Dykes – was because of the recruiting staff that he put together, because of the young coaches that he assembled, um, the Texas ties that these guys had. It is concerning to me that that Samples is moving on. Now, at the end of the day, like I said, it's an NFL job. If he wants it and he got it, like it's well within his right to go ahead and move on there. It's just disappointing um, that you're already seeing some staff overhaul with a brand-new coaching staff. Um this is college football in 2021 or 2022. Uh, it's, it's just how it is. I'm confident they can go re- find somebody who would do a good job. I've already seen Brian Carrington's name come up a lot. Um, he's on the recruiting staff at TCU. They could just promote him to the on-field position at running backs coach. That would make sense. Similar to Rashad, he has a good recruiting background. He relates to the kids well. He has Texas ties, has been around the Texas high school world. It's just disappointing that, you know, before the season even started, this happened. Rashad was somebody who had a lot of offers from different schools going into the offseason. And, um, you know, the TCU was able to get him, but now you lose him to an NFL job. The other thing you have to watch here is what happens with some guys are, that are currently on campus or that have signed or are committed. Um, you know, Jordan Hudson, big-time wide receiver, who was originally committed to SMU. Uh, Chance Biddle, same thing, big-time safety, originally committed to SMU, came over with the staff change. So Sonny Dykes and his coaching staff, they're going to have to work hard to make sure that those guys that have good relationships with Rashad that are close to him understand that 
you know, they're still an important part of the program. They still want them there. Um, that'll be the next step as sort of pieces fall into place. And I think that would be one argument as to why you would um, promote somebody from within at that running backs coach position just because, hey, keep everything sort of in-house, try to keep some continuity, some familiarity with the current team. Now, as far as the actual – the, the funny thing is, as far as the actual running backs on the roster – I'm not super worried about, like, Kendra Miller leaving. I'm not super worried about Imani Bailey leaving. Um, I think the, those guys are going to stick around. I just – I believe – or Marty Mercado, like, these are players. A few of those that I named are guys that were here under Gary Patterson. So, if they had a chance to move on, they probably would. A few of the transfers, I'm not sure where their mind is. But I would, I would think and I would hope that there was more calling them to TCU than just that specific position coach. So – uh, at the end of the day, like, this is part of the business. I just really felt like once they got this staff assembled, it was safe. And maybe that was naive on my part, but I believe that once you got everybody, you know, working on recruiting, once you got everybody on campus, um, that that was going to be it, at least for this calendar year, at least for the season. And that didn't end up being the case. And then it also sort of stymies some momentum that you had working on that 2023 class, which is very small. But, hey, this is uh, this is what it is. You didn't lose a coordinator necessarily. But, I, I mean, I think that Samp is an important part of this coaching staff. And I believe that it's a loss that they'll feel a little bit, even if they are able to just promote Brian Carrington from within the program and say, hey, go get them, get – you know, get to work on this on-the-field position, and uh, we shouldn't skip much of a beat or lose much ground in, in the recruiting game as well. So that's your latest update with TCU football. Another coaching staff change. We'll uh, keep tabs on who they might be targeting over the next few days and weeks to fill that position if they do go with an outside hire if they or if they decide to stay in-house. Um, and overall, other than that, like the, the program's pretty quiet right now. Guys are still going through. Um, the off-season program seems like there's a lot of competition going on. If you watch any of the short clips that they're sharing on social media, um, they're getting after it. There's an intensity there, and there there seems to be a buy-in from the guys that are on the field participating that I think is encouraging. I still think we're going to see some uh, overhaul and some more transition um, once spring ball ends because you'll have guys that realize, oh, I'm here on the depth chart. I'd rather be you know, up here on the depth chart, this is concerning for me. But, um, yeah, it's it's overall good signs for the football program. Pretty quiet at the moment aside from this big change with uh, Rashad Samples moving on to the NFL. So we'll, uh, we'll keep tabs on what they're doing next. And um, it's another chance for Sonny Dykes to show, hey, I can go get somebody on short notice. I can replace a staff member and I can find someone who's respected in the industry and can sort of step into this role, whether that's in-house or they do go with an outside hire. All right, segment two here on Locked On Horn Frog. It's going to try to hit basketball and baseball kind of all at once in the notes from the weekend. So first, TC basketball, the men, they go on the road to Morgantown, West Virginia in the regular season finale. And uh, a win would have put them at 9-9 nine and nine in conference play. Well, unfortunately, they could not pull it out. Frogs fall to West Virginia 70-64. to um, was a sloppy game, up and down game. TCU turned the ball over a lot. That's been a persistent problem all year. They've been able to um, 
taper it at times, but on Saturday, 18 turnovers, just not a great night. Mike Miles had a, a good game from the field. He scored 17 points. He was 7 of 15. Nobody else really shot the ball well. Um, Micah Peavy had a big-time impact. He had 12 points. He's really coming coming to his own um, as of late. 3 of 7 from the field, 6 of 7 from the free throw line for Peavy, and he's not a great free throw shooter, so uh, a good surprise there. TC was actually 5 of 18 from the charity stripe, which has been a big struggle for them. But they're just not a good shooting team. I might have said this Thursday. Um, you know, they were five. They were five of sixteen from beyond the arc on Saturday. They just don't shoot the ball well, and and part of it is they're tired. Like I get that. I saw a lot of people saying that after the game. It was their fourth game in a week. You, you go back to that Baylor game in the Farrell Center. It's like six or seven games in the span of a week and a half to two weeks. It's under yes that that part of it is true. It's real. They had a very backloaded schedule. They had a rapid-fire schedule at the end of the season to make up for the COVID outbreak at the start of the Big 12 season. But bottom line is West Virginia stinks. I mean, they were 3-14 and 14 in conference play coming into this. Now, it's their last game of the season, last game of the regular season before the Big 12 tournament, last chance to play at home unless they somehow get an NIT bid, which I doubt is going to happen. So... I understand their emotions there. TCU's probably not playing with the same amount of energy. And West Virginia definitely came out more energetic and more on fire than the Horn Frogs did. But if this team is supposed to be good, if they're supposed to be tournament level, it's just a game you got to find a way to win. Like, I, get, I understand all the reasons why they couldn't or shouldn't, but it's one you have to win. Um, and they could not do that on Saturday afternoon. Another thing that has always been curious to me about this group and I don't have a great explanation for it. You know, Emmanuel Miller, and he had five fouls. So he was in foul trouble, so that was part. He only played 22 minutes. But Miller was coming off his best game of the season. He was great in Lawrence. And he only has two points, one of three from the field. It just seems like they don't have a great understanding or feel for when somebody's kind of cooking and when it's time to get them the ball. Um, Chuck O'Bannon continues to struggle to shoot. You know, that's been a big problem in the second half of the season. And Chuck kind of on his own stabilized a lot of their shooting woes in non-conference play and then early in the Big 12 schedule. He hasn't been able to sustain that as of late. So it, it's a tough loss. Now, NCAA tournament outlook, um, Joe Lenardi still has them in the field. I believe right now they're sitting at an eight seed. I don't think he's released his like full updated bracket. Um, if they lose three games in a row, so they'll play Texas on Thursday in the morning at 1130. So if they drop one to Texas and they close the season by losing three in a row, I still think their resume as is should put them in the NCAA tournament. Like I feel like that should be the case. I don't think there's a huge question about it. 8-10 and 10 in Big 12 play. You knocked off a couple top 10 teams. Um, your non-conference schedule is weak, but aside from losing to Santa Clara, you took care of business and all the other games. So I think they should be in. However, if they lose three straight, I'm not going to be sweating, right? Like I'm not going to be super nervous. But I think that would open the door to some doubt. Now, there's other people on the beat that – seem to think they're firmly in. There's nothing they could do Thursday that could change that. And I totally get it. They've ultimately finished fifth in the Big 12. 
and Big 12 is the best conference in the nation. It gets a ton of respect. Um, but TCU itself does not get a ton of respect as a program. So I think they'll be fine. I would just start to get a little nervous if they dropped one to Texas on Thursday and, again, end of the season with three straight losses. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, um, you know, Texas is a tough matchup for them, but they did play them well in Austin before kind of melting down down the home stretch. So hopefully some rest will help this team. Uh, you know, my buddy Jacob Langford, he's really nervous about this. And, Jacob, I would just say take a deep breath, man. Like, I think they'll be okay, but I do agree with you. If they lose um, on Thursday, then the door slightly opens for a little bit of doubt. And Jacob, by the way, great real estate agent in Fort Worth. So if you need his help, go get his help because he's a good dude and a former horn frog. Anyway, let's talk some baseball now. On to TCU baseball, and uh, the Frogs dropped two out of three to Kentucky this weekend. It was not a positive series, and it was on the road. Kentucky had only lost one game coming into this series, but they had played a pretty weak schedule. I'll say this about TCU. I don't think they've – I saw a lot of people saying before the series, like, Kentucky's played a weak schedule. I understand it. I agree with you. I don't feel like TCU's played an amazing schedule. Now, they played some pretty good teams. Like, Nebraska had high preseason expectations. Um, they have not started the season well. You know, Cal is a team that is usually in a regional or flirting with a regional. San Diego State, again, good West Coast team. Um, Houston has had a good program historically. They seem to be struggling here out the gate. Anyway, point being, I think TCU has played a tougher schedule than Kentucky. It hasn't been a murderer's row. Uh, and these two teams met up on Friday and Saturday. The Sunday game did not happen. They still played three games. They played a doubleheader on Saturday. But – Friday afternoon, Frogs got out to a great start, scored three runs on the top of the first. Um, this Kentucky team can mash, and they jumped all over Austin Krobe. He did not have his best stuff. Two batters into the game, immediately gave up a two-run bomb. Um, could not settle down, could not settle in, gave up five runs in the first inning. And that was really the theme of the series. Anytime TCU was able to score and take a lead, take back a lead, tie the ball game, they could not answer with a shutdown inning. Like, it was just every single time it seemed like they made a dent in the game, took a lead, Kentucky would come right back. Um, they trailed that game 7-3 to three on Friday, rallied back, scored five runs, taking an 8-7 lead. Kentucky immediately put up a four spot in the next half inning, took an 11-7 to seven lead. TCU rallied back again, tied the game. Kentucky scored two runs in the eighth, and they have to win. They end up winning thirteen to eleven. This bullpen is bad um, at the moment. Doesn't mean it can't get better, but it's not great right now. Aside from every writings, Marcelo Perez and, and Cello had a tough outing on Friday. Um, nobody else really commands a lot of confidence. Tommy Savage is really struggling. Excuse me, Luke Savage is really struggling. Caleb Bolden didn't have his best stuff. He hasn't really come you know, into his own yet. Um, Connor Oliver came in on Friday and gave him a few solid good innings. But bottom line is um, it's just a group that's not pitching real well right now. 
Austin Crowe did not have his best stuff on a Friday, obviously. Saturday, Riley Cornelio, again, like, battled. I think he was another victim of facing a really good lineup for the first time slash not having his most electric day on the mound. Um, seemed like he was missing his spots. Now, this first game on Saturday was a seven-inning game. So, part of me wants to be like, all right, you know, kind of fluky game, doesn't doesn't really count, but it does. But they lost five to one. And, I mean, aside from cutting it to a 2-1 game, I think in the fifth, they really weren't in it. Curtis Byrne had a chance to tie it earlier in the game. Kentucky took a one nothing lead in the first inning. And uh, he got gunned down at the plate on a single to the opposite field. Just couldn't get around fast enough. He was out by a couple feet. Um, and then when TCU did finally rally and make it a 2-1 ball game, Kentucky immediately hits a three-run home run in the next half inning, and now they're at 5-1, to one, and that was your final score. So, tough weekend for the pitching all around. Even the Saturday night cap, uh, TCU was cruising. They're up 7 nothing. Now, Brett Walker was fantastic again, and he is the biggest bright spot for this team right now, in my mind, because he's a legit third starter. Knows how to pitch, gets out there, does his job, attacks people. Um, now, he got in some jams, but he was able to wiggle out of them. And then they called the, you know, they made a call to the bullpen. Seven nothing game, feeling good. Grand slam, two run homer. All of a sudden, it's seven six. In the seventh, TCU or Kentucky ties it in the bottom of the eighth. Makes it a seven seven game. You're starting to wonder about a sweep. Frogs score four runs in the top of the ninth um, to give themselves a cushion and end up closing it out. These things happen in baseball. I'm not super concerned yet. You know, last year this team had a tough series at home against Gonzaga. And, again, it was, it was sort of like this Kentucky series where they just couldn't hold on to leads. Um, a few years ago, one of those seasons when they went to the College World Series, they went out to UC Irvine and lost two out of three early in the year. I mean, this stuff happens, right? You look around the country, a lot of the top 25 teams in college baseball lost this weekend. If they can't figure out this bullpen situation, though, I mean, that's going to be a lingering issue. Um, Louisville on Tuesday and then Army coming into town for finally a home weekend series this coming weekend. And then you start Big 12 play. So, I mean, it's coming fast and furious. And uh, we'll monitor it all here on Locked On Horn Frogs. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.